God in the earth. This is God's design. This is God's plan. And it should show you how significant really you are. Verse 28, God said to them. It's really the the first statement to them as a husband and wife. The first man, the first woman. Is it be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Bring it under God's leadership. Subdue it. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion. And God releases his, he releases his power in the earthly realm in response to us redeemed people. As we call on him through intercession, through worship. It's a jurisdictional thing, and we talked about this last week. It's, God, I, I'm amazed at God. He could do it all by himself, but he wants to have a relationship with us and do it with us. That's amazing to me. He doesn't need the likes of us. He has to put up with the likes of us. Well, I don't know if I believe that. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. He ordained for us to rule the earth forever in partnership with Him, in partnership with Jesus as His bride. Psalm 115, verse 16 says, The heavens, even the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of men, the children of men. As we agree with God, God breaks in. And we talked about this last week. We've been entrusted with this influence in the earth. And when we agree with God in prayer and with action, he breaks in. If we don't agree with God, well, he's sovereign, which means he does what he wants when he wants to, to whoever he wants to. He's sovereign. He doesn't need us necessarily. But there is a principle that we, when we come into agreement with his word, it allows him jurisdictional authorization to move in the earth. See, what are you talking about? A friend of ours had a situation, and they happened to be just outside the city limits. And so they called, they needed help, and the police department said, well, we can't help you, we'll refer you to the state troopers. So they called the state troopers on mile 49, and they said, well, we're all out, and we'll get there when we can. The Wasilla police could not get there, couldn't really necessarily do anything because it's outside of their jurisdiction. Now, I think they work together on certain things, but in this case, they said, we, you know, that's a state trooper thing. Turn to Psalm 8. I want you to see this. You see, what we say, what we do impacts others, and God's ordained it that way. The way that you live, if you, if you agree with Him, agree with His Word, live for Him, pray, give, obey, God moves. God breaks in in your life if you don't come into agreement with Him. Then He's limited in how He can move in your life. Psalm 8, verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of, the son of man that you would visit him? You've made him a little lower than the angels, at least for now. We actually are going to judge them later in the millennial reign. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him have dominion over the works of your hands. 
You've put all things under his feet. You have to read this in the context of which it is meant. David writing this is just like, he's, I mean, we read through these things and the illustration I gave, I wonder if my wife creeped out the back to make sure I wouldn't pick on her tonight. It reminds me of the text when, when Adam sees his wife for the first time. He sees his wife and he's like, whoa, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He doesn't, he doesn't, we read that and we're just like, the bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and we like turn the page. Adam had his mind blown when he saw the girl. He's just like, yes, you're awesome. And you're awesome. I mean, that's how it was for David. I mean, for for Adam. For David, David's writing Psalm 8, and it says, what is man? The picture is this. Whoa! What art man that you're mindful of him? You have made us so in your image. He's blown away at 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 the creative power of God that he would make man. See, the enemy wants to try to keep you small. Keep you in shame. Keep you in blame. Get you in a place where you think that you're nothing but a dirt bag, so you should go in the back and eat worms the rest of your life. I brought you to 1 Corinthians, and you can turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You see, we're not just human being we're not humans we're human beings not human doings god's made you in his image you are spirit soul and body he's father son holy ghost you were really made in his image You're, it's amazing to me it really is when adam walked in the garden when you really study that out the picture is creation would see adam walking and go oh here comes the lord god oh oh it's adam that close. So when Adam, fought, when Adam fell, it was, it was huge. 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 3, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth had a lot of issues. A lot of strife. And Paul says... Are you still carnal? For there's envy, strife, divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? I mean, circle that in your Bible. When when I when I was being raised and you know I was acting like a little baby when I was nine years old, pitching a fit. My dad would say to me, "Don't act like a baby. Suck it up. All right? Get get a hold of yourself." You ever tell your kids? Stop acting like a baby. You ever say that? The Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, quit acting like a baby. Let me bring it down, make it personal. He's looking at them and he says, you're behaving like a man. Wait, 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 wait. I thought I was a man. Now, if he say you're behaving like a man and the Apostle Paul says you're behaving like a man, then they must be something other than a man. Oh, forget it. I'm going over here. I'm going over here. If he says, you're behaving like a man, a mere man, a regular man, just a mankind, you're behaving like mankind. 
unredeemed mankind. In other words, you're not a mere man. You're Superman. You, because God's put His super on you, so that makes you different. You're not, you're, you're not a sinner. Hello? Look, you need to change your channel. You think of yourself, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, bless God. And that's what you're going to do. You're going to walk around sinning. Can I tell you something? I don't walk around sinning. I walk around doing the will of God and sometimes I stumble. It's different. My identity is who I am in now. Come on, some of you guys that came out of a deep, dark past. Don't you let the devil talk to you and tell you, oh. I'll probably get myself in trouble, but what else is new? I don't, I don't believe in the disease model of alcoholism. What does that mean? Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. That means you have this disease, that's it. Listen, I don't believe in that. Now listen, you figure it out for yourself. I don't want to stumble you. If you've, if, you've, if you've had the disease of alcoholism, you can be healed of your disease, but never drink again. Hello. I believe in the new creation. I believe that though you might have done that, been that, been there, that's the old man. Put it away. Walk in newness of life. Come on, it's it's a new creation. Mm, Behaving like mere man. I'm just trying to help you with your identity because if you don't understand your identity, you'll never move in authority. If you don't understand who you really are and who who Jesus really is and what He's done for you and how He originally gave mankind dominion, authority, power. Look at me, you got me spitting. Come on. He originally did that, but Adam blew it. We're going to get there. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 21, Let no one boast in man, for all things are yours. Think about that. How is it that all things are mine? Everybody say, all things are mine. Do you think that's an error in what he was writing? See, here's what you need to understand. Does God own everything? Yes, he does. Cattle on a thousand hills, it's all his. Are you in God? Very good. Then, it's all yours. By the grace of God, by the will of God, and he allows for us to flow and function in that. Now, he just doesn't just turn it loose to you because you'd probably just blow up. He's teaching you. This is a test. This, this is a 70-something year internship. You're in an intern for the, next, for the duration of your, your lifespan. This is, a, this is not the final deal. Some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? This is terraining. This is an internship because 500 years from now, you'll be living forever. Where you live depends on the choices that you make here. But God is teaching you to rule and reign with Him so that in the millennial reign of Christ, you actually, I mean, you're actually going to walk there, this new earth, new heaven, new earth. You're going to walk the, you're going to walk the earth with a new body. You're going to have authority. I mean, this, it, I, this is the real deal. This is what the book of Revelation talks about. We don't usually talk about that. He thinks that this is it. I'm going to just get myself blessed now. Get myself healed now. Get my money now. Now, now, now. Give it to me, God. Don't you love me? And he's saying, you're an intern. I'm trying to help you. 
There's the real deal is when the training's over. Not that this isn't important. This is important. How many of you know if you failed your internship? It's not good. So, in Genesis 1, God says to man, subdue it. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion. And then Adam, the knuckle-headed Adam, committed high treason. He got fooled. He got duped. He got rolled. He got kicked to the curb by the ugly one. I want you to turn to Luke 4. And this is all review. Luke 4. Luke chapter 4. Jesus is in the wilderness. And Adam, uh, pardon me, and Satan says to Jesus... In Luke 4, verse 6, this authority, basically, he says, it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. You see, what, what Adam did by sitting, by, by eating from the tree, which wasn't an apple. We don't know what it was. You see the apple? It wasn't an apple tree. It was the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. We ate from that tree. He ate, they ate from the tree, and in that disobedience... And it's amazing what Satan does. Satan tempts them with the very thing they already had. God doesn't want you to become like him. Shake yourself. You already are. And it's amazing how the enemy will try to tempt us with the little carrot to go after something that God already has given you or already wants to give you, but he tries to give it to you out of his timing. He tries to, tries to get you outside the timing of God. You see, Satan was trying to get Jesus to take a shortcut instead of going to the cross. Come on, just, just, just do this, and then you'll have all authority. But he's getting, trying to get fooling. Jesus used the word and defeated the enemy on his own home playing field. I used to think that Satan was lying, but actually it's true. The title deed of the earth. That's why he's called... The God of this age in 1 Corinthians 4, 4. You can turn there if you want to. The God of this age is Satan. How is that? You'll notice it says small g, God of this age. He's blinded people. But as sin entered the world in that one tree, in that act of disobedience, sin through those who would submit to the rulership of the King of Kings... On the final tree. For everyone who hangs on a tree is accursed. He was pierced for our transgressions, wounded for our iniquities. Chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. Sin was placed upon Jesus Christ. Your sin, my sin, past, present, future. And your sin is wiped out when you believe on what Jesus did. And you were translated, as it says in the New Testament, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son, the glorious light. 
Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities, powers, and made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them in it. You see, the cross, Jesus died, and he, He rose again, defeating hell and death in the grave. And when you believe on Him, when you receive Him, all of your sin gets wiped out. The problem is, the problem is this. Your authority has nothing to do with your feelings. The authority you have in God has zip to do with the whether you feel like you got the power. I got the power! Has nothing to do whether you feel like you got the power. You've got the power whether you feel like it or not. You have authority. Everybody say, I have authority in Christ. Yes, you do. But most of the church doesn't walk in it. Because of this, we don't renew our minds. So we think that we should be eating worms. So we actually sign up for the worm-eating ministry. And we eat worms for the glory of God. Thinking that if God wanted to raise us up from the worm-eating ministry, then He would do that. There are people, I'm going to tell you, the problem with not understanding this and thinking that God is just sovereign and He can just stomp the devil out in your life. The problem with thinking that He's just going to do that is this. It's a, it's a messed up theology. You say, God, God, can't you deliver, deliver me from the devil? And He's saying, I did. Stand up and slap him yourself. Look, if, you know what I'm saying? It's because like a robber breaks in. If a robber breaks into my house, he's going to get slug, spray, slug, spray. That's what he's going to get. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, ooh, wrong house. But some people don't understand that they have the slug and the spray and the Holy Ghost. And so the robber comes and they're like, oh God, just whatever you want to do, I humble myself before you, God. Oh, God, poof. Oh, God, thank you, God. They're taking your kids. They're stealing your stuff. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And people wait for God to come and break through. When God said, I've given you power. I've given you authority. Stand up in your God-given, blood-bought right and backhand the ugly one in the name of Jesus. A police officer does not have authority based on his own. He has authority based on the fact that the whole, the state is behind him. And if you really want to get down to it, the entire resources of the federal government, including our army, navy, air force, and marines, are behind one cop standing right there. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful position. But not nearly as powerful as the one you and I stand in. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You know what my hope is through this series, these two or three messages, is that you would stand up with some fresh fire and blacken the devil's eye and give him a bloody nose and a fat lip. Actually, what it is, is not you actually doing that. It's you standing up and saying, I know it's already been done, so back off. You see, your authority comes from... From being in agreement, being in union with Jesus. I've got to get back to my notes so you can take this home and preach it to somebody else. Everybody say authority is delegated power. Authority is delegated power. I've got authority here in this church. 
as the pastor here in Alaska, I have authority. How's that? It's been given to me. How's that? I got raised up, Dr. Morocco, under Dr. Morocco. We together as a church, flowing in covenant, in unity. I've got authority. I know the limits of my authority. Hello? I can't go sell the building. Now, if God speaks to us to sell the building, to move into a bigger one, then we'll, all, we'll do that together and the board gets involved. I don't have the authority to put the building on, you know, put it on the, 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 you know, on the auction, the building off, or have a real estate company and list it. Hello? I don't have that authority. I have the authority to change the carpet color. I have the authority to raise up leaders. I've got the authority to preach the word and make lots of decisions. I don't have the authority to sell the building. Why? It's not mine. It's outside my, outside my, my, uh, my sphere of authority. Authorities delegated. Jesus, the Father, has determined in His infinite wisdom to give you authority and partnership with His Son, with His Word, with His Spirit. And you can't move outside of that. Don't ever call the devil out for a fight. You'll lose. You, you, you exercise your authority over darkness by standing in the place of understanding that I know, devil, that you know that you got your butt whipped on the cross. And I'm under the blood and I'm an ambassador I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. He has he has given me the by the authority vested in me in the name of Jesus. You must leave now. Yeah. I'm not even going to raise my. You got to go. Yeah. I I I I. You leave. Slug spray slug right. Yeah. Look at D. Believers must exercise their authority in Christ to release on the earth the victory that Jesus has secured for us. Ephesians 6. And you, how do you do that? You do that by you do that by speaking the word. You resist Satan by speaking the word. By, by standing your ground. Standing firm. Even when there's a demonic attack. I've learned over the years of ministry that as we move forward, the enemy tries to, ter- tries to intimidate us. The name of the game in spiritual warfare, ladies and gentlemen, is intimidation. If he can get you to back off because you're afraid, he, you already got the devil. Never mind afraid of a demonic attack. You're already having one. I used to, there's people that we know in ministry that say, I don't want to get involved because if I get involved, then, then the enemy's going to come against me. Dude, you're already bound in fear. And and you're already limiting God in worry and fear. Worry fundamentally is sin. Come on, all you hand ringers out there. You don't need to raise your hand, but if you worry about stuff all the time, you're yielding to fear. And it can be a demonic thing. It could be something of your personality. We're going to talk about that here in a second. Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in heavenly places. Take up the whole armor of God. Everybody take the whole armor of God. And done I having all to stand, stand with the shield of faith. Be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Verse 17, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Our problems are often a result of several factors working together. 
See, we live in such a, our Western world is so, so stuck in humanism that when a person's going through difficulty, they just think, well, that's because their mama, you know, abused them or their dad abandoned them. And I'm, uh, those things have a play and have issue in our life for sure. We need healing of that stuff. But what is never dealt with from, from strictly a humanistic standpoint is the whole demonic realm. There are demons, powers of darkness that want to hold you in bondage. You've got to enforce Jesus' authority on the earth. Don't just ask God to resist Satan for you. He, he did. He, he crushed him, but you need to stand up. Like a police officer would stand up knowing he's got the might of the United States of America standing behind him. And when the attacks come, don't just wave it as a banner of God's sovereignty that you're getting your head pushed in because God just loves you and He knows what He's doing. No. Don't be passive. Everybody say, I'm going to use my authority. The enemy's got these tactics that are brutal. Our problems are often a result of several things working together. And is it true, you don't need to raise your hand, but I'm saying, is it, is it true that you went through abuse in your home? Hypothetically, you know, I mean, rhetorically, I'm asking, is it true? Yes, okay, that's true. Do you need healing there? Okay, yeah, maybe. But what the enemy does is he comes and he, and he tries to bring this... Um, Layers. He tries to layer you. You see, he can't move in your life unless he has rights to move in your life. He has no authority unless he has authority. And how does he have authority? Well, sin, any kind of sin would give him authority to move in your life. You know, we, we talk about tithing and giving, and, and I'm very encouraged that you know, last week was one of the biggest releases of resources we have ever seen in this house. Ever. You say, how is that? It's simple. People are obeying God. And God is pouring out His Spirit. I talked to contractors and people that are a part of this place, and they are deluged with work. They don't know what to do. They're like, Jesus, help me do it all before it snows. Shaka tadahaya. Hold back the snow in Jesus' name. That's why Pastor Vince is like, bring the snow. So I bind it in Jesus' name. I bind it. Amen. No snow. Not yet. Another week or two, Jesus. When you come in agreement with God's Word, He stands over it to see it performed. When you don't agree with His Word and you do your own thing, you do your Word, He's not obligated to stand over your mess and bless it. I love what our friend Kathy used to say, God don't bless no mess. God don't bless no mess. He can't. Why? He's a just God. He's a righteous God. Now, when you get in the Word and you start doing the Word and you start speaking the Word, then the devil has got to go and the blessings begin to flow. If you don't speak the Word, you don't live right, then you wonder why you're getting your face pushed in. Wake up! Pastor, how come I don't have all the blessings? Well, it could be because you're a fornicator. How about that? Could that be a good reason? 
Forget it. I'm going to encourage myself. Praise the Lord. Amen, Pastor Daniel. Bring it. You got look, God can't bless you cause just cause. Because you're pretty. He wants to bless you, but there's a principle of how blessing comes. And when you obey the word, blessing comes. Period. That's the way it is. Everybody say hallelujah. Now a problem is a result of many factors working together, and some of this stuff is new, so Weave it into your notes wherever it is and go preach it to somebody else later. There's physical issues. You can have physical issues that can really affect you. If you're in pain a lot, you've hurt your back, and you're in ongoing pain, that can play a role. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It can really affect you. Physiological issues. There's psychological issues. Mindsets, belief systems. Belief systems, BS. Belief systems. <laughs> belief systems. What's wrong with you people? You have belief systems all up in there that mess you up. Renew your mind for the love of God. They have belief systems that they don't think that, that they don't understand and they don't really know that God wants to bless them. So they never really stand up on their authority and just think, well, God's just going to help me. And so you're just relying sovereignly on His grace. And you know what? Praise the Lord. Praise How many of you are thankful? <laughs> I'm thankful that God carried me through some stuff. He, but you know what? It's amazing. When somebody first gets saved, it's amazing how God just goes, woo, and He blesses them. And then there comes a point when He wants you to mature. There comes a point where he just doesn't, you know, footprints in the sand. There's a, there's a cousin to that. There's a set of prints in the sand that I did not understand. Smooth and round they were. I asked the Lord what these were. And he said, mile after mile, I carried you. I held you and I comforted you. But you would not walk in faith. You would not believe my word. You would not stand in the authority that I've given to you. So there I dropped you on your butt in the sand. Some of you are experiencing being dropped on your butt. Can I tell you something? Get up. Get, everyone say, get up. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, you know, I really wish it was the other way. I wish it was just all... And he just carried you. No, if your baby never walked, if your baby never walked, you would take the child to a doctor. You would be here. It's three years old. They're not walking. Okay, we're going to lay hands on that child. We're going to believe that God's going to release a miracle. But there would be obviously something wrong. If you're in Christ and you never stand up and walk in victory and you've been in the church most of your life, I'm telling you, You've probably been dropped on your butt and you're wondering what's happening. God's waiting for you to stand up. Come on, somebody say, I've got authority. Some people don't like this message. Belief systems. You know, some of you have problems because of your diet. Look, I'm... 
I'm fasting. Praise God. We're on, we're on a corporate fast. Everybody doing every different kind of fast. When I when I cross 250 pounds, I might as well buy stock in Tums. Because I have to eat Tums like M&Ms. And I know that there's... That's not the case for everybody. Just for, for me physically. When I get big, my stomach just freaks and produces acid. And so praise God for, I was going to say Prozac, but I don't think it's so. <laughs> Thank God I ain't on that anymore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But even if you are on a Prozac milkshake, God will help you. What's it called? Yeah, so I'd have to take these Pepsid things. You just take one. But then I get around 260, and I can't just take one. i got to take two. Well, guess what the problem is? Me and my big glutton appetite. And then, and then I don't sleep as good. And I start, and I wake up like sleep apnea, dude. You know what I'm talking about? You wake up like, oh, what's that? It could be the five chins I got resting on top of my... Look, what do you say? I'm not picking on you if you're struggling in that area. You know, praise God. But many of us have difficulties because of the way that we've been eating and the way that we, our lifestyle. And you can bind the devil all you want. Hey, brother, you've got to push yourself away from the table, get some exercise, you know, and start doing the deal. Look, I'm, 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 just, I'm just trying to stomp out, you know, all the devil. No, it's you. God, God, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind or self-discipline. So if you've you got to eat right, you've got to exercise. If you don't... You know, you can curse the devil all you want to when you're 70 and having open-heart surgery, but you ate sausages every single morning. You drank the grease with your eggs every You just basted. I love basted eggs. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You make the bacon, that stuff from Delta, big, thick slices, and it just produces all this grease, and I crack my eggs in it, and I baste it. I take a spoon, and I throw it over the top. Oh, man, and lots of butter and all that. You eat that all the time. You're going to have an open-heart surgery, and you can bind the devil as much as you want, you're not meant to have all that fat coursing through your veins as much as you love the way it tastes, just like I do. How did we get on that? Alcohol. What about alcohol? Is alcohol drinking a sin? It is absolutely positively not a sin. Unless you get drunk. If you get drunk, it's sin, period. Is a glass of wine wrong with your meal? If you get drunk, it is. If it alters you, if it alters you then, then it's wrong. How about you, Pastor? You drink wine? I only drink the new wine for a variety of reasons. What I mean by new wine, I mean the Holy Spirit. For a variety of reasons. One, I don't drink alcohol simply because how would it be when you came down and watched me come out with a 12-pack of Bud Stupid, Bud Dumber, whatever, Budweiser, whatever. Come out with a 12-pack and you're like, Pastor, how are you doing? I'm praising the Lord. How are you doing? Where are you going, Pastor? Um, beer, batter, halibut, man. That's what I'm doing. Praise the Lord. And I very well might be making beer, batter, halibut. But in the back of somebody's mind, they think, but maybe he's not. So I just never put myself in that position. Look, my, my wife makes tinctures. I don't even know what a tincture is. We're, they're, they're, I always want a tincture people. 
And we're like, tink what? Tinctures. It's a number of different ways to make tinctures. You can, you can use alcohol or, what is that other stuff? Glycerin or, or vinegar you can use. So to, to make certain tinctures, it requires alcohol. Guess what? I'm never going to buy a bottle of vodka, 100 proof, ever. You'll never see me doing it. Why? Because I don't want somebody to think that I'm drinking it. Are you saying you have 100 proof vodka in your house? We used to. It's in a tincture right now. Hello? I mean, you're looking at me like you're crazy. And the point is, the point is, if you drink alcohol all the time, you can bind the devil all you want to. You're going to be under his thumb because you're doing things physically in your diet that's going to affect you. If you do drugs, it's going to affect you. I bind you, Satan. Take your hands off me. You're, come on, you need to be delivered. I need to bring this point home. Your sociological issues too, what people have done to you, hurts, wounds, things, that affect, that can affect that. In other words, I used to eat... Here's how, here's how I got myself in trouble with drugs. Some of you need to hear this. I don't know who this is for, but it's for somebody. My parents were going through a divorce when I was seven. My mother moved out to the end of Long Island, and I saw my father every other weekend. At my father's house, there was, you know, it's just like chocolate donuts and all the, all the blessings of a life that's fully provided for. At my mother's, we went sometimes a week at a time with one bag of Lender's bagels. How many of you know what Lender's bagel? This is like big in the 70s on the East Coast. And then I would go to my dad's house and they have Entenmann's chocolate donuts. And I would live this, this po- total poverty and total lavish. Poverty, lavish, poverty, lavish. Went back and forth. And it tore me up. I went through so many things as, as a kid. And so what I began to find out, if I would eat a lot of food, especially... Reese's peanut butter cups? Come on, can we get a witness? Ah! Especially Reese's peanut butter cups, that all the pain of that would just sort of go away. And I found myself drugging myself with food. Now, just let, let me just tell you, I've been walking in the Lord a long time. Not as long as some, not as short as others. I found when I get under real pressure, that thing wants to come back up, and I'll go to reach for something. Ah, Jesus. And then I'll go after the bread of life instead. I'll fall back into an old pattern of comforting myself with the big, fat, whatever. Come on, how many of you know all your problems go away if you just eat two pints of haagen Hallelujah. Thank you. No, they don't. They come back, and you have a headache from the sugar. and. Where are we? Jesus, help me. See, you need to help me. I need a glass of juice or something. Here, throw me my water. Praise God. (laughs) I need to make the main point of this. The thing is that even though we have the physical issues, the sociological issues, the psychological things, all of those being very real, and God wants us to stand up and take authority and, and, and get into a life of discipline and doing it right, the demonic, what the demonic does is comes and sort of gives a demonic unction on the whole thing. 
Now here's the issue. If you have some of those things going on, welcome to being born again and delivered from the kingdom of darkness and renewing your mind. Hallelujah. Here's the thing. You need to take your finger of authority in Jesus' name and bind off a spirit of addiction. Bind off the physiological things, the, the, the things that want you, the pain and the fear and the rejection, and allow God to come in and heal you. Then it's a lot easier. I've known people that have struggled with pornography. It's epidemic in the church. I mean, in the nation, you know, in the United States of America, pornography is epidemic. In the body of Christ. Now, here's the thing. Lust is, is, lust is, is a sin. But some of you struggle with lust that's supernatural. And what I mean by supernatural, I mean there's a demon of lust that gets on that. And then it's harder to break lust if you have a demon of lust operating on you. When you break that thing in the name of Jesus, you'll find it much easier to overcome your lust. You'll find, if you break that, whatever you're feeling afflicted from, it's much easier to then overcome the struggle that you might have with food or the struggle that you might have with alcohol or the struggle that you might have. It's a, the, the enemy comes and just breathes on that stuff. Come on, somebody say, I've got authority. Oh, I've got to hurry up. So by using your authority, you can remove the added pressure that demons bring to your problems. Demons bring added pressure to the problems that you need to stand up and break. But when you take authority over the demonic assignment, it's easier to then break out of that. Somebody's getting help tonight. All right, look at, look, at, uh, look at Roman numeral 3. Our authority is based on His victory. Everybody say it. Our authority is based on His victory. Our spiritual authority is based on our union with Jesus. You've got, you're one with Christ. You're in Him. He's in you. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That union is based on you walking in agreement with Him. And to the level that you agree with Him, to the level that you live in union with Him, is the degree of the power of the kingdom of God being released. If, look, where the king is, so is the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of God is within you or is at hand, meaning right here at hand. And in a Hebrew understanding, it means it's right alongside it. It's here. Wherever the king is, so is his kingdom. But if you're not living fully underneath the submission to the kingdom, then guess what? In the area that you're not living under submission to him, you're open to attack. But you have authority. Everybody say, I've got authority. I've got to close this message. Turn to Ephesians 1. And starting from verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know Him better. Great prayer. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. See, if you understood what He's called you to, you would shake free of the stuff that you've been sedating yourself with. That's why it's a great thing to pray. God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open my eyes. Enlighten my heart. I want to know the hope to which I've been called. Show me. Show me. That is a prayer that will change your life forever. 
Because once he begins to show you that you're supposed to rule and reign with him, you'll never, you'll never settle for the rubbish that you've been eating. You know what I'm talking about spiritually. You'll never settle for the stuff that you've been putting up with because he's showed you. He's given you revelation. Whenever there's a revelation, there's a revolution. And if God speaks to you things, it's not so you can go show off on a small group. When God speaks to you things, it's not so that you can just say, Well, hallelujah, I had quite a quiet time this morning. Just want to share it with you. No, the revelation that God gives you is to transform you into His image. That's what it's all about. And then, to, then from there, transform other lives. Somebody say amen. amen. Heavens, having been raised to seat with Jesus in heavenly places, according to, I need to hurry, Ephesians, and you can go read the rest of that. We're given access to the throne of God. Hebrews says... And boldly coming before the throne of grace and finding help in time of need. Guess what? Newsflash. Don't come before the throne of grace. Don't get the kind of help you need in time of need. We're called to enforce Jesus' authority as His body. We need to look at this. Look at verse 22. Hurry up. 22, verse 22, Ephesians 1, 22. And God placed all things under His feet, appointed Him to be the head over everything for the church. I might freak out in a second. Over everything for the church, verse 23, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Jesus, the power and the benefits given to Jesus through which the Father is given to Him because He overcame, Jesus is given to us. We are His body. He's the head. So if you're gonna, when you move in authority, understand you're moving in that which Jesus has already purchased. Am I getting through to anybody today? Look at D. Fear and rejection, addictive urges, are a form of demonic oppression, and they must be rebuked. You stand over fear and tell it to leave. If it begins to bombard you in your mind, you rebuke it. You say, no, God has not given me a spirit of fear. I've been gripped by fear in my life. I've been gripped, I've been gripped by things. I've been gripped by demonic oppression. I didn't just have, just have this rosy walk my whole life. I've, I've walked through some. He's trained my hands for war. I've walked through some hard things. Maybe not as hard as what you're going through, but I'm telling you, you can make it. You can do it. But if you don't understand that you have authority, then you will settle for that thing all of your life. Anger. There are a number of people here that have a spirit of rage, even even murder. There's a murder spirit that wants to come upon you. You have to deal with that pain. You have to deal with the thing, that's, that rage that's on the inside of you. Find out why you're wounded and ask Jesus to come in. You bind a demon, a, a spirit. If you have a rage problem, I'm not asking you to lift your hand. There's at least five, six, or seven people, seven people in here that have a, a, a you black out. You black out. You get mad enough, you black out. I'm going to tell you an encounter that I had. I've got to hurry up. Jesus, help me. When I, when I was a kid... I, I started giving myself over to anger. In other words, I'd let myself throw fits. I mean, if I played tennis with you and you won, I'd try to kill you with my racket. I was one of those. You know what I'm talking about? Be like, set point, I'd lose, and I'd be like, oh, throw my... Sorry, man, sorry. 
You know what I'm talking about? Or just smash my racket and the strings go everywhere. Sink my putter all the way up to the handle on the golf course. Does anybody know what you're talking about? Anybody? Oh, I'm the only one that's been through that. You all lie. You know where liars go? Liars go to hell. Don't lie. I'm going to have an anger problem. And I'll never forget it. It happened once or twice. Once I was not thankful for. And the other time I think it saved my life. I got in a fight and I blacked out. Some guys were beating up on me. Here's, I'll tell you the time that, that I'm thankful for. I was getting beaten on. I was in a street situation. It was ugly, gone ugly, really bad. And I was losing. And I was down and I lost. And then I don't remember. And when I came to, all I know was I was soaking wet, huffing and puffing, and there were bodies everywhere. And thank God nobody was dead. And I don't know what happened. I don't have a recollection in my memory of how these dudes that should have beat me are all laid out. It was a terrifying experience. It was a, it was a demon of rage. And I think I might have died that particular time. But God spared me. He works all things together for good. Some of you have a demon of rage and you need to stand up and command that thing to back off, shut up and get out of your life. And then begin to take your thoughts captive and find out why you're so angry. Because you've been wounded. Anger is a cover for hurt. You're wounded deep down. So, you're, so anger just covers that thing when really you just need to cry for about a week and let Jesus come and heal those memories. So fear, rejection, addictive urges, they're all form of demonic oppression. And you can make a list. They all need to be rebuked. You need to take authority. Come on, somebody say, I have authority. And you need to rebuke them. The command of faith doesn't always bring results instantly. It doesn't always bring results instantly like a kid. Sit down. Sit. You make them sit. A dog. Come on. You need to teach your dog to sit. Yeah. Some of you need to teach the devil to sit. He'll test you and press you till he knows you have authority. And then the, enemy, then the enemy lies to you at the same time. You don't really have authority because if you had authority, then the devil would be gone by now. You don't really have dominion because if you have dominion, you wouldn't be in the situation you're in. Your spiritual authority is based on Jesus' victory. He is the ultimate victor. He has defeated the enemy. You need to stand up. Stand up. Take authority. Take your house for Christ. Take Wasilla for Jesus. Stand up. Rebuke sickness. Rebuke infirmity. Rebuke disease. Some of them is because some of it is because of the fallenness of mankind. If I go out, you go outside and it's twenty below zero and you don't have a coat and you get freezing cold and you stand there, you're gonna get sick. Okay? Right. You can bind the devil as much as you want to. You stayed out there, whatever. Maybe you were stranded. That's not so much the the devil as it is just a, a physiological thing of being a human being. And the fallenness of mankind. But there are things that the enemy wants to, to, to put his hand on to make it harder for you to break out. And I will tell you, they will go if you stand up in your authority, which is purchased by Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh. Well, let me, let me close and say that your authority is based on what Jesus accomplished, not on your moods. That's a good word right there. Praise God. Not on your feelings. 
Not on your fervor. Or on any victories that you have. Sometimes you can get fooled into thinking you have authority when you have a bunch of victories. I'm going to tell you, the enemy can allow you to have a bunch of victories too. Just because you make more money, just because there's seeming blessing. Not everything comes from the hand of the Lord. You've got to make sure. Ephesians 2, verse 6, says this. He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. It says in 1 John, I believe, and I'll close with this. As he is, so we are in the world. Micah, please. As he is, so we are in the world. Everybody say it. As he is, so we are. Okay, so how is he right now? Is he crying out for somebody to help him? Is he lying on a gurney with intravenous drip up in heaven? No. He has all authority and all power, and he's, he has given it to you. Now, the fullness of this, you need to understand this. The fullness of the kingdom is not upon us. That will come when the fullness of the kingdom comes. But you still are to walk in power and authority. You do not have to tolerate the devil beating your brains in. You don't have to tolerate being stuck in a cycle of rejection. You don't have to tolerate being bombarded by fear so much so that you sometimes are afraid to go outside. God's on the throne. God's on the throne. Stand up with me. God's on the throne. God's on the
Give me.